lips chap less i say not no more i just put on lip balm exactly they're talking about they're chapless on a halloween night about to say my lips is luscious on halloween two bitches are in boston right now but we're sending this to you just cuz through spooky mail yes and by just cuz i mean it's a holiday and we you know usually gonna do this anyway (laughs) we sent this by ghost mail yeah, <laughs> I was saying like, like how we didn't contact anyone. We no, just, you, no, but you you made the, the deal. You you gave him the envelope too, because I was not gonna get anywhere near that. Yeah, she was standing behind me as per usual, and mm-hmm. then she passed out. <laughs> back, back, I say, back, back. He's like, bitch, you called me here to take the envelope. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> she called you to take the envelope. Oh really? You weren't in agreement. You didn't argue with me. I was on the way in the back, girl. I was like, this shit has to go. Has to go. You didn't One stop One way or it. another. You didn't stop me. Listen. Anyway, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yes. And you know what? We're probably going to be here for a while, so we're not even going to do an intro. We're just going to get to it. Yeah. Okay. So whose movie do you want to start with? I was actually about to ask you that. <laughs> okay. We'll do mine because we watched mine first. Okay. So we watched movies and we have a lot of live footage, live recordings of us watching the movie. Yes. The movies of choices this year was Grave Encounters. And await further instructions. Yes. We are going to do a movie review for each one. Yes. And we're also going to have snippets of live reaction in this as well. Yeah. So. That's a live reaction. Hmm. To get started. I'm very excited about it. I did a lot of research on mine. So, Grave Encounters. I don't care what you guys say. I was very spooked. I got spooked a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My ear hurts. <laughs> literally, literally. My throat hurts from yelling so much. That's nice. I need to hear. And I don't care what you guys think. Like, oh, that movie was whack. How'd you get scared by that? I get scared. I mean, it was kind of whack. I get scared, okay? <laughs> Yours was whacker. Yeah, it was whack. But mine at least had deeper meaning. Mine was... Whack. Spooky. Because yeah. I got scared. Okay, so then that would mean a lot of things that are not spooky are spooky because they scare you. Like <laughs> ice machines. Ice machines. It's not my fault they make noise in the middle of the night and I get spooked. Yes, but based on, you know, based on your logic, they're spooky. So, anyway, I got scared. And Grave Encounters is a 2011 Canadian found footage supernatural horror film. So, like, Paranormal Activity, all those, like, the Blair Witch, shit like that. I wish we had come up with the Blair Witch Project. We would have been rich. (laughs) Written and directed by the Vicious Brothers, who also directed Extraterrestrial, It Stains the Sand Red, What Keeps You Alive, Spiral, and Urban Legend. Grave Encounter actually won an award at the Bram Stoker International Film Festival in 2011. Mm -hmm. So it won an award. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it got nominated for two and won the last one. So it was nominated for three, but won one. So, it stars a crew filming a paranormal reality television show who did an all-night lockdown at a psychiatric hospital in search of evidence of paranormal activity. But without knowing it, we're actually shooting their final episode. Dun-dun! Okay, Law & Order. (laughs) So, the movie premiered on April 22nd, 2011 at the Tribeca Film Festival, Prior to its premiere, its trailer went viral online, generating 30 million views. And the style of filming is actually sort of recent to like the 2000s because Paranormal Activity was filmed. Well, actually came out in 2007. Yeah, no, th- back then it was definitely a very popular style because mm-hmm. people felt like, oh, this would make it seem more real. Yeah, trust me. Like when I first saw Paranormal Activity, that was 2007. Shit, we're in 2021. How many years ago was that? I don't like math. Me neither. Uh, 14 years ago, I believe. So I'm 26 minus 14. I was 12. Damn. I was 12 years old when I saw Paranormal Activity for the first time. And I slept with the Bible that night. I remember that clear as day. I slept with the Bible. I just slept. <laughs> yeah, you have like a knack for horror. I'm not. I was I was very much spooked. We can get you there if you let me teach you. Mm-hmm. So... The main character. We have the uh, dollar store, Zach Bagans. Lance Preston is his name in the movie. <laughs> Who is our director of this ghost show, this haunted ghost show. Along with him is occult specialist, Sasha Parker, surveillance operator, Matt White, cameraman, T.C. Gibson, and fake medium, Houston Gray. We miss you, T.C. 
Mm-hmm. We miss you. So the crew goes and investigate Collingwood Psychiatric Hospital, but which, fun fact, is actually known as Riverview Hospital. Initially, it was a turn-of-the-century mental facility in Coquitlam, British Columbia in Canada. However, Riverside didn't have any notorious um, news, let alone the same as Collingwood. It wasn't, like, known for abuse of patients, lumbotomies, and shit like that. It was, it was a pretty chill hospital. Um, in 2012, it was closed down. But there have been purported plans to refurbish the old building. So that's the actual building they used for the movie. Oh, uh, the old one? Or the new one they were building? No, the, like the um, Riverside Hospital is actually the, the building they used. And they just changed the name to Collingwood Psychiatric Hospital. I see. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you know how like movies change the name. They don't actually go by the, same, the actual name of the facility that they're using. Facts. Like uh, Shawshank Redemption. The hospital that uses something different. Yeah. It, has a, it goes by a different name. Yes, the crew investigated this hospital after reports of wicky, spooky things were happening for years. Same song and dance. They interview people and only capture the spooky things in their interviews because, you know, Hollywood. They won't be like, oh, you know, I worked here for years. It was all right. Mm-hmm. Like that one custodian guy. They had a payoff. To- yeah, basically, like, you'll just make something up. Mm-hmm. Ah! That wasn't me screaming because I got scared. It's, it's because this thing almost fell. I say nothing happened. <laughs> this guy's doing an interview. It's terrifying. Wow. Like, oh, yes, yes, I, I've, see, I've seen ghosts. I've seen them. I saw one right here. It was scary. Yes! That's exactly <laughs> the exact fucking lines he said, too. And he paid him, what, like 20 bucks for that? Yeah, it was like 20 bucks. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, you're making me 60 at least. <laughs> my, my family dinner. Right? Sirven por un pollo chino, as my dad always says. It serves for at least Chinese food. Hey. Then came the main event, the lockdown. It's an old place, so it looks creepy, haunted or not, honestly. Like, it's just broken down, abandoned. It just looks overall spooky. Yeah, like, eh. Mm-hmm. Why am I here? <laughs> they captured the usual, a giant door slamming, which, like, spooked the fuck out of TC, and unexplained sounds. Can't oh, move. cold spots. Okay, I'm like, ah! ah! I can't do this! But things really started picking up when good old Matt goes missing as he's retrieving the cameras mid-lockdown, because everybody had enough and wanted out. I don't blame them, honestly. Everybody wanted to leave. So they sent Matt to go grab all the cameras. And because of that, he disappeared. They have to have night vision, dear. It's dark. I hate the night vision. It just adds another level of spooky. I'm sorry. That's the way it works. I don't know how else to explain cameras to you. But there's a twist. They barge the door down to the entrance of the hospital, only to reveal another hallway where the outside world should be. I thought it was a nice touch, honestly, because that would... Like, honestly, seeing another hallway where you're supposed to see outside would fuck me up a thousand percent i know you'd once again you just die instantly windows shut down sound immediately <laughs> that's it that's all you hear in the background like what the fuck was that and i'm already like splattered on the floor mm-hmm. like, uh, somebody unplugged her <laughs> i unplugged myself nobody <laughs> fucking did it i did that to myself i chose to do it so plans of escape uh were being said out loud and our boy tc was losing it for with all good reason like he he was getting scared our poor girl Sasha got slashed on her back with the words spelling out hello, and that would be a goodbye for me. Because that poor girl, you should see the slashes. They were fucking big. The hunt for Matt continues, and we all know I'm the worst person in this situation because Matt who? Matt what? where? Matt? Matt why? <laughs> why Matt? Why Matt? Who's Matt? I don't know, Matt. I want to get out of here. There's Matt right there on the floor. <laughs> So the other cool trick uh, was when they checked the time and it was 6 a.m. Remember, a.m. That was the designated time for the keeper of the hospital to unlock the doors and let them out. But it was still dark outside. There was windows and it was still showing darkness as if it was 1 a.m. I thought it was a cool feature. Because he was like, wait, it's 6 a.m. Where's the sun? There is no sun anymore. Why is there darkness around? Because that's all that's left. (laughs) So they encountered more Oogie Boogie and poor Sasha. She She just... loses it and gets the work around next to go though is the fake medium not none of one of our favorites but it still sucked the way he went i mean they were all pretty mean to him (laughs) he was such a prick Uh, he was a prick but like you know fake zach baggins lance was even more of a prick he was always just picking on that guy honestly i mean he he didn't want to do anything he was like i don't know he was too extra so uh except the way he went ghost levitated him and ended him that was it 
Yeah, More threw his ass into a ceiling. Oof. I didn't see that one. Just know I was covering my eyes. Okay, the time. reason why she a lot like a lot of things she's not mentioning people's deaths is because she didn't actually see it. <laughs> she turned her head away, covered her face. I had to describe things. Yes, she gave me a play by play. Yes. Because I was very much scared. I did the whole tactic where you cover your face and you only have like a little bit of your eyes sticking out. Yeah. A little bit of your eyes, your fingers separating. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean. Oh what what did you see? What did you see? Okay. Down the hall, somebody ran from one room to another. It could have been mad. Was it like a person shape? Yes. Would you think it was mad? Because yeah. I did not see it. I, and, I, and our I, listeners also don't see here's it. Here's the thing. It was far enough away. It could be him. Uh, That looks like a woman. That's a full-ass ghost, homie. They okay. came in there with one woman. Okay, so I'm going to look down. No, no, no. You should look at the screen. I'm kind of scared. We need your reaction, though. Okay. You gotta look up. You gotta stay Sli- up. Sli- slightly up. Slightly stay up. looking up. No, stay looking up. Okay. This is what we're here for. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you're happy. My ear hurts. I told you I didn't want to do it. I'm in danger. <laughs> so, more spooky things happen. Our poor TC was next, unfortunately. He was the only one that made sense, though. He was the only one that was like, this was stupid. We need to get the fuck out of here. Like, he was aggressive with the escape plans. Facts. Uh, disappeared in a tub full of blood that was haunted by the ghost of someone who committed suicide. Hated to see it. He just, like, literally got sucked in, and then they toppled the tub over, and he was gone. Not TC! So Matt was fucking found. By that time, yeah. <laughs> By this time, Matt was fucking found. And after TC disappears, Matt's laughing like a fucking lunatic. Like, oh my god. But really, for nothing, because he did the thing that I would have done from second one, and that is windows shut down on my own. So he did his own window shut down. Down an elevator shaft. It was very tragic. Um, so all that is left is Sasha and Lance, desperately looking for a way out. So, Sarasara, there's a tunnel under the hospital those creepy long-ass tunnels, and they decided to give it a shot and hopefully find an exit. So, rah, so rah, they did not. Adios. <laughs> Adios. So, Sasha was our next victim to go, and a cloud of smoke, she was gone. I mean, after all she'd been through, at least they took her scene to be easy. Honestly, though, but she went through so fucking much. That's what I mean. She went through so much. At least her death seemed to be easy. Yeah, she like, just evaporated. Ah, literally. It was not as violent. Yeah, she was done. Like, she was, like, done. Uh, Lance was all that's left, and he was also D-O-N-E. Done. In the head. <laughs> so the ending led off with the mad, quote-unquote, doctor who was responsible for all the inhumane treatments that were um, happening in the hospital, but with a twist. Rituals, baby. Uh-huh, somebody already been down there <laughs> performing some type of ritual for conjuring. So um, this is now fitting the theme of We Don't Play because... Somebody was doing a ritual, and we don't play with that, because look what happened to these people. Uh, we stick to what we're good at, and that's reporting on rituals. So the rituals could have explained why the spirits are stuck in the hospital and all the banana stuff that was happening to the group. So all those haunting things. There was a scene where, like, black hands started coming outside of the walls and the ceilings. So it's probably just, like, part of the ritual. Um, but little did they know, they were going to be permanent patients. Lance got his, quote-unquote, treatment by the doctor and staff who are practically demons, because they look like demons, a good old lumbotomy. So the whole crew was finito. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's rare when you see, like, everybody's gone. Sometimes only one survivor escapes, and that was it. But no one did. But no one did. No Interesting. One, no one survived. Which led to the second movie that I always tell Sass all the time, that um, in the second grade, because there's two of them, footage of one of them got sent to a reporter anonymously and it, this will happen i believe either five years or five months after the disappearance of the first crew so it was kind of impossible to have gotten that footage and she wanted to investigate it which led her back into the hospital instead of bringing it to the cops to say hey these missing people i found a video of one of them you ain't want think about going to the cops lady <laughs> but that was grave encounters yes it was Okay, if anybody goes come at me saying, why was she screwed at this whack-ass movie? Leave me alone! This Y'all really be thinking this a joke? No, this is who she is. Legit! Like, when I edit, my ears hurt. 
I, I do okay. apologize. I turn it down for you guys. This shit, it be pure. It makes my, it, literally, it's so loud. It only, it not only makes my ears hurt, it makes them itch. I'm sorry. I know you mentioned that before. Then I was like, you, why do I make it itch? But because yes. you're the vibrations of your sound hit the hairs inside of my ears. You. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I get spooked. Okay, I get spooked easily, easily, and I am not ashamed of that. Now, I'm not gonna have you guys coming at me saying this movie whack. Why the hell? Come at her. She deserves it. It's okay. No, because then I get my feelings hurt, and I don't like that. I mean, they can do it quietly. <laughs> True. That's fine. It hurt. I'm sorry. It also hurt my throat. It makes me feel like that. Because I was screaming a lot. I have no sympathy for that. <laughs> I got scared. You always scared. True. And? That's why I'm not, I have no sympathy. I'm used to this shit. <laughs> I, expect this, I expect the fear. Okay. So now for, um, wait for further instructions. Yes, that's actually why I picked this one. Because there's instructions. Oh, yeah. No, there is. There is. There is. There yes. is. There is. The movie is basically what we do. We give you instructions in almost every episode we do. The difference is that we tell you not to do them. Mm. We tell you not to follow. Okay, so that's why you chose this movie. That's funny. Yes. You couldn't tell by the title? No. It's called Await Further Instructions. I'm just putting this together. Wow. Okay. Also, this movie does go a little bit deeper kind of imitates our current reality so you know i'll get to that i'll get mm-hmm, to that mm-hmm. that's why you said you, you called the crap i was like okay it kind of is crap but that's because it was a message movie ah uh, god damn it i'm just saying just wait a minute also mm-hmm. it's sci-fi so mm-hmm. not the most horrific but you know sci-fi can really fuck with you sometimes mm-hmm. now the 2018 british sci-fi movie 2018 Await- yes you could have fooled me this wasn't far back await further instructions it says this is basically a family's less than harmonious holiday get-together and mm. it turns dark, and they're all trapped in the house by some unseen enemy with baneful orders displayed on the TV. Mm-hmm. It's great. We start with Nick arriving with his girlfriend, Angie, on Christmas Eve to spend the holiday with his family. He's clearly apprehensive about the whole thing, showing us that not everything is exactly good nope. between him and them. But Angie wants so much to meet them, he relents and proceeds to spend time with his family. Yeah. Should listen to you, girl, bruh. <laughs> No, the girl should have listened to him. She's the one that wanted to see the family. I Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. I, fi- I mix that up. <laughs> and based on how excited his mother, Beth, is when she sees him, it looks as though he hasn't been home in some time. Yeah. She's nice to Angie, but confused about the Indian gifts that Angie brings her. She's trying. She's trying, but that should give you, that already gave me a little suspicion of what's to come. Like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that definitely racist. He looks like the type. That's grandpa. Oh, he worse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, over to abrasive-ass Grandpa Alfred, Jesus who's Christ. planted in front of the TV. Nick says hi, and Angie introduces herself. The old man looks a bit taken aback by Angie. And, you know, I forgot to mention, Angie's Indian. Nick's yep. family is white. <laughs> There's gonna be some problems with that. We see on the TV that there are reports of rolling blackouts spreading throughout the country. Right before Nick's dad comes downstairs, acting like an asshole already, suddenly berating nick his name's tony by the way we don't like him we never liked him but this also reveals what we already suspected about nick he hasn't been home or contacted his family in three years i don't blame him so tony might actually have a reason for being a little annoyed but honestly i wouldn't want to talk to him either i would not want to talk to any of them yeah nah i mean poor beth though maybe mom mom mom's trying yeah mom as long as she comes alone Mm-hmm. Later on, Angie is calling her own mom to let her know that they've arrived at Nick's house, but the call isn't answered and the ominous music plays, which means the rolling blackouts are on their way to where Angie's family is already. Oh, no. Nick and his father reminisce about the good times and having a proper Christmas. Nick leaves the room and Grandpa calls him a pansy and suggests that Tony give him a few slaps to get him in line while diminishing his own son's worth as a man and as a dad because he's an office worker. Alfred is an asshole, and Tony is his son, who is also an asshole. So it's you see just like you, you see the hit, the, the abuse from, exactly. from grandpa to dad, and now from dad to son. Yeah. Grandpa, he's too old to move like he used to, but he still got that verbal abuse on a lot. Mm-hmm. And now we see why Tony is kind of a dick. His father is constantly cutting him down. And this is more of the division in the family. Yeah. Nick's sister, Kate. Yeah. And her husband, Scott, show up. Jesus Christ. She's pregnant and happy, but she's not exactly so happy to see her brother. Yeah. So even their relationship sucks. The only person he's good with is his mom, honestly. 
Anyway, Angie actually works in the medical field, and the sister makes a comment about undercover foreign doctors, which makes absolutely no sense. Right? Like, yo, that was so uncalled for. Yes. Just, you know, making it more apparent, like, oh, Angie's not going to have a good time. No. Because her race is a problem for them. I'm really wondering if Nick didn't warn her beforehand. I'm sure he did. I'm just saying. I'm sure he did. How could he not? I'm saying he might have not wanted to talk about it. I feel like he downplayed it for her sake and like that, okay, so that's the problem too. You can't downplay it. Be like, yo, my family is kinda terrible. Like they're dumb racist. So he's kinda I mean even if he told her and he downplayed it, he kinda ain't shit for that. Gotta give a good full warning about this. Mm-hmm. But now that everyone's here, the night carries on. After seeing a news report about a stabbing and the news report presuming that it may be a, a terrorist attack, there's no proof. But the family, especially Grandpa Alfred, Begins making comments about immigrants and terrorists as if the reports are actually true. Mm-hmm. Right in front of Angie. Yeah, they, they literally did not hold back at all. Yes. They're like, let's be openly racist. Yes, now Angie stands her ground, but Sister Kate loudly sides with her grandpa, causing a bit of an uproar, with Nick and Angie leaving the room as Tony expects them to apologize for this. Hell no. No. I was saying that uh, uh, Nick is, like, boyfriend of, of the year, though, because he yeah. was sticking by Angie and, like... Yeah. And some, like, people would, like, be like, oh, but it's kind of, like, my family. Like, no! Nuh-uh, no. Nah. Don't tolerate this shit. Nah, absolutely not. Okay? Family has a problem sometimes. You need to cut them off. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Alfred is laughing at Tony's inability to control the situation because he does not see his own son as a real man. Mm. Now... So Nick and Angie plan to leave in the morning on Christmas Day after Beth fails to convince them to stay. I mean, you would fail to convince me too. Mm -hmm. As they fall asleep, the camera pans outside to show us the electricity of the neighboring houses going out. And the rolling blackouts have finally arrived. Back inside, the electricity also seems to be malfunctioning, especially the TV, which flickers with static. Yeah, that shit's going bonkers. Yes. And you can hear something scratching and moving inside the walls. Mm-hmm. Now it's early morning, and Nick and Angie are secretly headed towards the door. They open it and find something blocking the doorway. It's pitch black and feels like metal with a slit in the middle of it, according to Nick. They look around to see that this stuff is covering all the windows and every exit around. They're every all stuck. opening, yeah. The family is waking up by now, and of course they're trying to find a way out. But no one can get the job done. Tony's stone-like demeanor is clearly shaken for a moment because he can't control this. Mm-hmm. They're stuck in there. He has no way to get them out. They're debating why this could be happening when Angie points out that there are small pipe openings through the metal fortress into every room. And Tony's already thinking there's been some type of natural disaster and that the government has quarantined them and the pipes are for ventilation and apparently this is for their safety. I Like, they made a good point. Like, how the fuck did they, like, sleep through it? Like, how did they not hear any of this shit going on? There's that, yeah, that makes sense. Like, but Tony, of course, in his mind, he has all the answers. Mm. Even though he knows nothing. Dad is like, what the actual fuck is going on? But I can't make them worry or think that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's more of the, I can't let them know, I don't know what's going on, and I'm scared. Nick turns on the TV to check the news, of course, and sees the first instruction on the screen. Stay indoors and await further instructions. Oh, God, they said the movie title. I'm saying they said Engrave Encounters, too, so... That's true. There you go with your themes. <laughs> Got your themes. But now Tony is immediately ready to follow the instructions, <laughs> once again chalking it up to the government... Claiming that this is some emergency broadcast, he is so ready to trust in the TV. And what's worse is that, like, he was a man of that wanting control, but yet mm-hmm. he's following somebody else's orders. Exactly. He's used to being the puppet, but he doesn't want to be a puppet. So he's acting like he's not one. And now the family is finding out that they have no way to communicate with the outside world. There's no phone, no internet, and the neighbors can't hear them. Tony, who is trying to remain in control... Shows a little bit of fear in that moment. He doesn't let them see it, but he's he's scared. This is when he pulls Scott, Kate's husband, to the side to keep him on his side. Mm-hmm. He needs to feel like he has someone with him. To back him up. Yeah, so he doesn't, you know. And so Scott's the muscle, too, so. Yeah, he's muscle. He's more, honestly, he's more brawn than brain. I'm be quite honest with you. Poor boy. So, he's claiming they have to be the protectors of the family they have to be the shepherds of the crop even if it means protecting them from themselves mm-hmm. and you pointed this out i like how you saw that he did not talk to his own son no about being on his side 
He talked to, like, it, technically, he's still a stranger. He's a son-in-law. Not like a biological family. Yeah, but, you know, Tony don't like... Tony don't like Nick. Tony don't care. No, he really does not like him at all. Mm-hmm. But Tony is convinced that they should wait for rescue and proceed to have Christmas dinner. Mm. Yeah, that that's a good idea. Yeah, you already know what happens during Christmas dinners where everything kind of comes on to the open. And... Yeah, but I also kind of don't blame them because they're not going to be stuck in a house and hungry. <laughs> so right after the prayer at the table, Angie begins coughing and Nick comes says she's already had a cold before they came in here. Kate pipes up and about the emergency possibly being a disease and that Angie could be infected. Of course she would do that. Kate really said sarin and plutonium. Those are not illnesses, girl. The sister is just like the worst. She's like the the most loudest. She's like, I know it's between her and grandpa are kind of taking that top spot of being the most racist. Yes, they really are. But right at that moment, Beth sees a message on the TV change to all your food is contaminated, eat nothing. Ugh. And, of course, Tony, being the ever-listening person of the TV, throws out all the food, including everything in the kitchen. Yeah. Man's is going crazy at this point. Yes. Nick tries to stop him. Scott steps in, saying they could go for weeks without food, and they still have bottled water. Sir, your wife is pregnant. Yes. That's the one thing that, that irks me in the entire movie is that you have a pregnant person in yes. your facility. But Kate is also on Scott's side. Kate, you're pregnant. What the... Just, she also is like fighting to like, oh, I'm good. I I'm smart. I'm this and that. Like, I'm, I'm a team player. No, your your child is is more important. Okay, we like your kid. We don't like you. And now we see Nick's father, Tony, putting Alfred back in his chair in front of the TV. He tries to assert dominance over his own father, saying, "Don't undermine me in front of the family." That's just not gonna work. No, because Grandpa, once again, decided to just challenge him. Say, "Hey, rule with an iron fist and authority." And remember, Nick's going to be a problem because he has a problem with authority. So he's still in control. Yeah. This further draws more enemy lines in between the family. Thanks, Grandpa. We needed that. Right. And now for our latest message from the TV because this just keeps coming. Decontaminate yourselves. Strip and scrub all flesh with household bleach. Don't do that. Which is, yeah, you know how terrible bleach is to your skin? Exactly. I, that's why I, I'm crazy about gloves. But Tony isn't. He calmly tells his wife, Beth, get the cleaning supplies. Like, he's, like we're just going to listen to this shit. Like, literally, without hesitation, he listens. And her clearly not being already kind of losing it a little bit. Because she's a bit more gentle. Mm-hmm. She does it without saying a word. And you know what? Tony, you don't have to do everything everyone tells you to. Especially if you see it on TV. Mm-hmm. But just in case, they all do wash themselves with bleach. I'm hoping they diluted it with water. Facts. And then they go to bed. Angie and Nick find themselves being awakened by Beth to come downstairs where, strangely enough, Tony sounds like he's apologizing at first. He says, eh, Beth told me I've been too hard on everybody. And then Nick says, I'm sorry, too. Tony says, I'm not apologizing for it. Shut the fuck up, Dad. I swear to God. It was like such a a dickhead move. He's like, I was being a dick. It was to protect you, so I wasn't wrong. Mm, You deserve to get slapped. Yeah. And I can't wait. Right after that, needles, they come down the chimney like Christmas. Yeah. That was all they got for Christmas. Angie's the first to pick them up and relays that the packaging is not sealed and that the needles are already used. They recycled those needles. Exactly. Not clean, but used. The message on the TV changes once more. Use trial vaccination kits. Atmosphere polluted. It, it, is this starting to sound a little, you know, a little familiar? <laughs> oh, my God. A little familiar. Even with Angie protesting, Tony grabs a needle and gives himself a shot. I like how he says he wants to take order, but he's listening to every single fucking thing that's been happening. Yes, he shows more faith in TV than logic. And then all of a sudden he decides, yeah, now I'll sterilize the rest of the needles and begins offering them around the family. No, you can't. That's not how that works. You don't put them in hot water and say, oh, yeah, they're clean now. That's not how that works. Anyway, the first to take the plunge is Scott to prove that he's on the father's side. And the next is Alfred calling the rest cowards who haven't taken the shot yet. Beth is clearly apprehensive but allows her husband to inject her. And now we see Kate. She's actually scared for her child's life. She's pregnant. She cannot take anything like that in her body. She speaks up. Nick tries to help her. 
with her argument. But then she ultimately sides with her father and gives herself the injection. Yeah, she has like a triggering notion when, whenever her brother like step like like talks up. I guess she always felt mm-hmm. dumb her entire life. Yeah, I mean she been saying dumb shit the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And then Tony and Angie they don't want to, but they do it to keep the peace because they already know like Tony's get, just been a dick this whole time. I'm like yo, we gotta just we gotta keep his mouth shut mm-hmm. one way or another. But then Grandpa. Good old Alfred begins to convulse. Finally. He springs out of the chair only to cough up an immense amount of blood and fall to the floor and die. And then the TV all of a sudden reads vaccination procedure complete. Now this already implies that they're being watched because how else would they know if all of the shots were already given? Mm -hmm. And no one notices this. Now with Andy now saying, I told you so, Tony is chanting under his breath. It doesn't make any sense. He is shook. Mm Mm-hmm. And now all the members of the family are questioning his authority because he said it'd be okay and Grandpa died. And what did he reply, Screams? That he was pretty much still trying to say that the government... Yeah, exactly. He said, old men die. Oh, yes. He was starting to rationalize. Yes. Basically saying, I wasn't wrong. He hmm. just died. He's old. What do you expect? You have nothing to prove anymore. You are free from his shackles. He's still under that same mindset, though. He claimed that his own father's death was an acceptable loss. The man is cold now. He's just cold. At this point, he's clearly losing touch with reality as this danger is not seeming to phase him. Yeah. And also, he might be a little happy because now his dad can't say shit to him anymore. <laughs> he was low-key happy. The messages seem to be coming in a lot faster now. And the next one says, return all clinical apparatus via the access slot. The thing wants all the needles back, and Scott is ordered to collect them. Actually, Tony snaps at him like a dog, and he listens. Yeah. And now Scott is placing the needles through the slit in the door, which seems to be moving as if it's breathing. Ew. And Scott gets the idea to pull the slit apart and then yell into the hole as if someone will hear him from the other side. The TV all of a sudden reads, Access Slot Contamination, in red letters, and slams shut, cutting off Scott's fingers. Clean off. All on one hand. He has, like, literally one hand left that's usable. They tend to his wounds, and now we see Alfred and Nick having an impromptu funeral besides Alfred's body upstairs. Nick says goodbye. Alfred goes over a little memory he has of his father. You mean Tony? Yeah. You're saying Alfred. My bad. Tony went over a little memory he had of his father. A very abusive memory. Yes. He was afraid to get up because in the middle of the night. Because he didn't want his father to hear him flush the toilet because it would make him mad. So he wet the bed, stayed there all night, cried. He knows his father heard him because the next morning he got up, his father beat his ass for it. But now this tells us why Tony's such a control freak. Mm -hmm. His father turned him into one. But we later see Nick woken up by his dad reading the TV and it says, One of your number is infected. Isolate them. Now if you remember, Angie from earlier was coughing. And one thing I got to say, yo, keep waking me up. Beth woke me up. Tony woke me up. I'm getting sick of (laughs) y'all. And now this family thinks Angie's little cold might be something more sinister. Comes to a vault with only Nick opposing. And they lock Angie away, of course, after Nick, Scott, and Tony get into a fight where Mm -hmm. Tony is trying to choke Nick, which is him choking his own son out. Yep. And suddenly, a Christmas song is sung by Beth out of nowhere. She's losing it. She's losing it. She's singing out of nowhere. But this does stop the fight. Mm -hmm. They all stop. But we now see that Tony is definitely willing to do damage to his own son. And they do put Angie in the room with Grandpa's dead body. Why not, I guess. That's the sick ward now. But through the door later on, Nick is checking on Angie. Angie is sharing her suspicions that the messages on the TV are not coming from the government. Yeah. Because every single time another one comes up, it seems to be based off of what they did previously. And it seems more like they might be getting watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not making much sense. Yeah. Even though Nick's worried about what his father might do, Angie convinces him to turn the TV off. He goes downstairs and plugs it, and Kate catches him in the act. And she immediately starts calling for her father. Mm-hmm. Like a snitch. Yes, basically saying he broke the TV. Bitch, he just unplugged it. Yeah, they kind of went ballistic. Yeah, exactly. And she was screaming at him, saying, you always had to be the right one. Which tells us that in their relationship, he just had the right answer. She didn't, and she was mad. As Tony comes in, he grabs the cord from Nick, plugging the TV back in. You see, it wasn't broken. The screen flashes different symbols, finally settling on flashing red letters, warning, interrupting emergency signal puts lives at risk. 
And this is where the downfall begins as mm-hmm. Kate is screaming and punching at Nick about turning the TV off. Scott bum rushes Nick into a wall. The two continue fighting up the stairs. Kate is screaming at Scott, be a man and defend her as mm-hmm. if she didn't start the fight. Mm-hmm. But this ultimately, ultimately leaves leads to Scott accidentally pushing her over the banister and she falls to the ground floor causing a compound fracture in her leg. Her leg just split open. It was nasty, y'all. As the family calls to Scott for his medical training, after Tony refuses to let Angie out, who is actually a nurse, Scott is in shock, having caused the fall of his wife. He looks at the TV and quickly sees the words, I see you, flash. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't utter this word to anybody. Possibly because he's in shock. I'll give him that. Yeah. Now they're um, at the kitchen table where they put Kate, because, you know, she clearly can't walk. (laughs) And she passes out from the pain. Nick is left in charge because Tony decides to lock himself in the fucking office like a bitch. Yes, he says, I don't want to be disturbed while I'm working because I'm going to work out a new game plan. Sir, your daughter, your pregnant daughter, is laying on the table with a compound fracture. And you think, this now this is the time for me to run away. Nick is trying so hard to be the voice of reason, but he it is the voice of reason He's in a family of idiots. Now, after seeing all this, getting her passed up, Beth starts talking to the TV, pleading with it to let them go because of Kate's new injury. She's pregnant. She's hurt. Beth is crying. She's scared. The message does nothing. They don't care. Upstairs, Nick is describing Kate's wound to Angie and Angie informs Nick that the wound is septic. Yeah. So Kate's getting affected. She's going to die. She doesn't get help. Nick tries to tell his mom, under all the stress, she basically ignores what he says and starts cleaning for the guests that are supposed to arrive tomorrow. Mom also lost it. Exactly. Nick's trying to talk to Kate's husband, Scott, but he's not hearing it. He opens up, tells them about the baby names, but then he also says, we have to follow our leader, who has locked himself away in the study. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he's following. But then he tells Nick about the ICU message he saw on the TV. And now he's saying, Scott, we got to work together. Yeah. Bruh, your, your wife, look at your wife. In Tony's office, he's going through all the information in the books he can find to explain what's going on. He's looking up war tactics. But I think he's also feeling guilty because he's starting, he realizes his decisions are leading up to this, including Kate's injury, but he don't want to admit it. Of course not, because he's a stubborn dick. But then he starts rationing out the water. He makes a list and scratches Angie's name off of it. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Nick punches a hole behind the toilet and sticks his phone in there to catch footage of whatever he can see. Now the TV has a new message on it. Survivors must not breach perimeter. And it's letting out a warning sound with it as well, like a signal or a mm-hmm. siren or some shit. And it's basically letting everybody know that someone's trying to get out. Tony runs down hearing the noise and then he sets off to finding Nick because he knows Nick has some shit to do with this. Mm-hmm. And as Nick is looking at the recording, he sees wires through the hole acting like tentacles, and they attack the phone. His father barges in, knocks him out with one punch, and then Nick wakes up tied to a chair. And he tries to tell his dad about the recording, but Tony is not listening, and he gags Nick with a sock. I hope that sock was clean. Mm. Scott, my drawer. Scott comes to tell Tony about the new message on the TV. Extract information from sleeper agent. Tony has decided that Nick, his own son, is a sleeper agent and begins making a makeshift torture kit from his own tools. He cuts Nick's face with a box cutter while interrogating him. Gotta torture his own fucking son? Pretty much. You can't be serious. Dude, oh my god, the dad, somebody, this dad is delusional. That's his son, the only one that makes sense. He's so wrapped up in his fucking ego, up his goddamn ass, that he can't see then he's the one that's making the mistake and has to put all the blame on his son. The only one that makes sense. And Nick once again offers to show him the video. And then Tony steps on the phone, destroying any evidence Nick had. Yeah, he was not listening. No, at all. At this point, he was just done. He's out of it. He's just crazy now. And at right at the moment, he was going to literally take Nick's eye out. Beth screams from him downstairs to announce that Kate has died due to her injuries. Scott runs to her body, clearly heartbroken over his wife's death. Tony views his own daughter's dead body and states this changes nothing. In war, there are casualties. Sir, you're not in a war. You're That's dead. his daughter. 
Yes, and that's exactly why Beth slapped the shit out of him right afterwards, calling him arrogant and revealing that she hates him. Good. I was so happy at that point. So now Beth kind of took over the situation a little bit. She got Nick out of that chair, and with Scott's help, they kind of lost faith in Tony for the moment. In the room where Angie's locked away, she removes a piece of the window to see the wires, and one of them has a camera at the end of it. Angie's now looking through the room, and she finds a small TV... She plugs it in and she sees the message, I see you, flash on the screen. Now, at this moment, it looks like Angie might have set something off. Because when she opened the back of the TV, she saw something. And then all of a sudden, the TV downstairs says, security breach first floor. And then black smoke begins entering the house via the pipes. And Angie's room is the first one it begins going into. Now, Nick has to try to go upstairs and break her out of it. And then he realizes he can't kick down the door. I don't know what these doors are made of. Word. How are these doors not breakable? What kind of wood is this? Mahogany? I don't know, but it's good wood. Shut up. <laughs> but he needs the keys. So he screams down to Scott to get the keys. And then Scott finally gets them. He runs over. He throws them up. And Nick doesn't they catch fumble. him. They fucking fumble. And he has to pass them to Nick. <laughs> he finally gets Angie out. Great. But Mom is stuck in the bathroom because the door is jammed. And eventually, she, of course, dies because of the smoke. It covers her body, burning her skin. Yeah, it was, like, acidic. And then she explodes. Ugh. It looks like she exploded. But then Angie pries Nick off the door. They run downstairs. Everyone's in the living room now. They have the doors closed behind them, and they're trying to fill the cracks with anything. But the smoke is still coming down the stairs. But right as they're done filling the cracks, the smoke stops. Mm-hmm. And it just retreats back upstairs. So that was all for nothing. TV's now displaying a pulsing green light. And Nick tries to break it with a piece of firewood, but then the house shakes. And once everything is settled, the TV says, I am reborn. I bring salvation, resurrection. That's gross. And it's portraying itself to be like God. The message immediately makes Tony look at a cross on the wall above the TV. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he starts questioning if Christ is, you know, coming back. Oh, don't believe this shit. No! Sorry, Tony believes it. Like, Tony, what are you you doing, man? He lost it. He needed something to grab. I guess so. And he asks the TV to prove that it's God, to prove that it's Christ. And Angie looks over at dead Kate's stomach and sees it move. Oh, jeez. The baby is still alive, and Angie wants to perform a C-section immediately. Tony claims this to be the sign that he was looking for. Like, see, I was right again. He's such a piece of shit. He begins preaching that they should now be worshipping their newly returned God. This man wants to worship the TV. (laughs) Nick protests, but our simple Scott begins to believe that Tony is right and blindly following his rhetoric. Worshipping the TV with him. Worst of all, the TV was also saying the names of the baby, the baby names that they have, like, decided on. Louis and Ruby. That's what Scott and Kate picked out for their new baby. Mm -hmm. Angie is visibly upset. She slips away and then tells Nick about what she saw in the back of the TV. It looked like the wires were living and something had a heartbeat. It just looked nasty. So whatever this God is, it is somehow alive. Meanwhile, the father is quoting scripture and giving praise to the TV, and Kate is still laying there dead. Like, um, y'all saw the baby move, and y'all supposed to be trying to cut it out, like, right now. Yeah. Okay, I mean, honestly, Kate's been dead for a little while. The baby's probably losing oxygen. And so now we have Tony... And Scott worshiping the TV. Angie is ran away somewhere scared with Nick. No one's cutting the baby out. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not an emergency anymore. Mm-hmm. The screen all of a sudden switches to a scene outside. Nick and Angie wake up together in a field. Like a dream, yeah. yes. And it was a dream. Because then Angie was woken up by Tony pulling her over to the TV with Scott restraining Nick. The TV now says, make a sacrifice to save the unborn. And, of course, Tony has chosen Angie, who he never liked anyway. Yeah. He brings a knife to her throat. Angie pleads with Scott to allow her to perform a C-section. Because she's the only one that was able to do it. That is that. She's the only one there with the training to save this child. And Tony is about to kill her. Nick ambushes Tony so Angie can get away and perform the operation. She tells Scott to help Nick. And then he steps in between Tony and Nick and gets takes a hatchet to the chest. So, yes, Tony now has killed Scott. I'm not sure where this hatchet came from. I know it came out of the garage, but I don't know where Tony just found it. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, where the fuck was it this whole time? Yeah. Exactly. Somebody put it down somewhere. I'm like, was it anywhere near there? Mm-hmm. I didn't see mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So Scott dies. Nick keeps trying to fight his dad again. It looks like he's about to do it. But Tony gets the upper hand. Angie runs over with a knife. And Tony backhands the shit out of her. Nick gets up and finally puts his father in a chokehold, which I've been waiting for. But then Tony gets out of it. Yeah. This man is aggravating me. Just stay down. Nobody even like you. And now that Tony is up again, he's choking Nick. Literally, Nick's veins are popping out. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, you can never do what you were just told. Showing that he can never actually control Nick like he could the others. Mm -hmm. But then Angie knocks him upside the head and stops him. Nick gets up pushing that heavy ass TV on his father's head, killing him. Yes. Uh, <sighs> I'm die by the fucking TV he lived by. It's a nice feeling. He loved that damn thing so much. It was so a satisfying much. ending. It was. Well, yeah. for some time. A few moments later, the TV is shaking and lifts itself off of Tony just to allow snake like wires to exit and begin reaching around to grab onto the Nick and Angie. And the black wires break through the wires to do the same. The wires bunch up and move like appendages and begin connecting with one another. When the wires entering the back of the back of Tony's head, yeah, it kind of like just went in there. Exactly, like it, like there was no give. Honestly, yeah, that would be traumatic to see in person. Ew! <laughs> And they come out of his mouth, picking him up and placing the hatchet back in his hand. He is now their puppet, just like he was anyway. Mm-hmm. Nick and Angie barricade themselves in another adjoining room. And Tony's wire-controlled corpse breaks his head through one of the little indoor windows and says, Nick, worship me now or face your extinction. Ugh. Nick happily declines. Absolutely. And leaves the room to actually challenge Tony's wired corpse to toe-to-toe. I, I was impressed. <laughs> As he steps closer, screaming, do it in his Shia LaBeouf voice, the wires begin to back away. Because they know that they need him. Exactly. The thing is a parasite. But he tries to give him one last chance anyway, like a little power play. Mm-hmm. Join with me. Become me. Nick realizes that the wires can't afford to kill him. But Nick throws something into the TV. I think it was a wine bottle. Yeah, and, and, it causes, it caught, and it caught fire. Yeah, the wire, it caught fire, fizzed out, the TV caved in. They believe that they won, but then more wires start grabbing onto them, wrapping them together so that they can't move. And once this is done, Tony's body's picked up again. He moves closer, and he swings the hatchet down, and the screen cuts to black. I'm sure they're dead. Everyone's dead. They're all dead. And now the wires are lingering in different areas of the house. They've completely taken over. And they're still using Tony's body. He brings down a small TV from upstairs and places it near Kate's pregnant belly. The wires themselves perform a type of C-section. They cover Kate's body, stripping it down to the bones. And what's left is a baby who is still alive. And it's a little girl. And the TV says, hello, Ruby. And the TV says, worship me. Just a baby. What is she going to do? I'm just saying, but that means Nick was clearly right and wrong. The wires do need to be worshipped, but they didn't need Nick and Angie. Why keep them when they can have a baby who is perfectly manipulatable? I guess I could say. Manipulative, yeah. Yes. But um, they need to keep the baby alive. They can bring stuff into the house and out of the house whenever they want. Yeah, but they also need breast milk. They need milk. And yeah. I'm sure they killed off like anything that could produce milk. Like a cow? I don't know. Cows are pretty And all docile. the food are... are Domestic are contaminated, so... That's what they said. They were lying. Oh. Everything was a lie. And remember, baby would be a perfect follower, because all they know is the wires. Yeah. Our wires, who art in heaven. Oh, Jesus goddamn Christ, <laughs> I hate you. They keep saying, worship me. <laughs> Pretty weird. Then it just, like, pans out to the whole world, yes. covered in wires. It shows the whole neighborhood just covered in wires, and only some of the houses have that blue, eerie light coming out of it. Which could kind of indicate that those are the houses where they found worshippers. Ooh, probably. Mm-hmm, that's probably. what I was thinking. So yeah, it could... there's definitely like a percentage of them that would definitely like worship them. Exactly. Either out of fear or because they're too young to know any better. Yeah. Now, a little, just a little breakdown of what I mean. The family's already divided. Then they're quarantined. And then they are told to take an unknown trial vaccine. Jesus. With some blindly following and some more apprehensive about taking it. 
They're fighting amongst themselves, treating each other like threats instead of working together, which deepens their division, weakening them, and they are continuously given instructions from the TV to do a whole bunch of things that lead to major negative effects. And this is supposed to represent the misinformation spread through media having a hand in the destruction of humanity. Well, yeah. As Nick's family turns on each other, that little bit of information is what takes them out. Kind of looking familiar, ain't it? <laughs> I was watching this like, wow. Isn't that something? Ain't that... <laughs> it, it really was just like something I couldn't... Like, it was a train wreck that I couldn't look away. This looks like what social media does on a daily basis. <laughs> Without the killing... Well, it uh, does kill people. Nah, yeah. sorry. We gotta leave that in there. It's yeah, killing. it's killing. But anyway... Uh, happy Halloween. I hope you guys also watch horror movies today. Yes. And we're probably drunk in Boston, so woohoo. Yes, woohoo, woohoo. <laughs> watch you a nice horror movie. Get you a nice sci-fi in there if you want. Get some candy. Hell yeah. Have a safe Halloween. Yes, very safe. Be safe. I mean, just stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go to a party with people you know. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, darklings. And you can send an email to we don't play podcast at gmail.com. Yes, you can also find us on Instagram at we don't play podcast. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at we don't play pod. Yes, and you can listen to us on Castbox, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And Google Play Music. Yes, we are there too. Like and subscribe. Review and comment. We also have a Patreon. www.patreon.com slash we don't play.